Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and JC. And it starts right now. Oh, welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers, by writers who hate writing, but now are required not to write. So that works out perfectly for us. Um, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I'm, I'm hearing rumblings. I'm thinking this strike might be close to over. And, and I'll tell you why. The, the news is it's all over the place. I just uh, this morning walked past my local bakery. There was a big sign in the window that said apple crumbles. Oh, God. First joke of the day. First joke of the day. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's <laughs> <laughs> not true. <laughs> oh, and we're off. Oh, I, I hated everything off. about that. I hated the false <laughs> setup that I you would you have would. news about it, of all people. No, you wouldn't. The, the optimism that's the, the direct... It, the direct opposite of everything I'm witnessing in line. The false hopes of like the premise. You did such a bad job selling it. Did I tell you it was awful? It was terrible. It was like, it we was need wonderful. another take. We need a million takes of that, and we may need to recast. <laughs> And, and then the, it's so funny. I, I predicted this would make you upset. Boy, was, was I wrong? Yeah. Well, it worked. Uh, That's your oh. big opening salvo. Oh, uh, yep. Oh, yeah. I got a yeah. Danny Smith sign off. Um, all right, but we are we are now in uh, in week two of the writer's strike, and we have given you David Goodman negotiating board member. Last week we had uh, Justin Halpern on the WGA yes. board. And this week, we are excited to talk to our old friend. He's been here before. He's been through several strikes. We'll talk to him about that. Mr. Mike Scully is here yeah. with us today. We are Woo-hoo. incredibly excited to talk to him, but he has to wait. He, we're looking <laughs> at his face right now. And he's about to talk. You, I said, let's get Mike Scully to talk about. Oh, I wanted to talk about this with him. Okay. Because this was very offensive to me. So yes, I know what you're going to say. I love this. But we're gonna, let's wait till he's on here so he can yeah. defend. He will have to defend himself, and we'll we'll get him on here uh, to talk to defend himself, and you'll hear about what in a minute. But Goldie, 
<laughs> I wanted to to talk for a minute up top. There was something you did a few months ago on the podcast that was incredibly funny and very fun. And so I came up with a variation of your bit here today. So I, I want to try something. Sure. You may re- you may remember a few months ago you quizzed uh, me and JC about is this a YouTube star or did I make this name up? Right. <laughs> and that was celebrity. Is this real, real or not? Too, yeah. Right. I don't know anybody anymore. Uh, right. Yeah, pretty much. So same. in the same world of not knowing anyone, my daughter, Levy, is very into country music. It's very popular now, like here in Massachusetts, which it never was when we were growing up. It's like yeah. she knows everything about stagecoach and just she wow. loves it. So I've kind of been dragged into, because anytime we drive anywhere together, she's like, you know, put on the Sirius XM country station. And so we're yeah. listening to this, this, and this. And I noticed while looking at their names on there, <laughs> something peculiar. So we're going to play a little game right now <laughs> called Country Singer or Someone I Went to High School With. I love it. <laughs> so let's let's start that right now. And just to give you a little tip off, I'm going to read all of that, the names with a little country twang oh. so they don't sound any okay. different. Okay, okay, here we go. John Viner. <laughs> well, you know that one. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, and I, and I will say up top, I wanted two names that would have worked very well in here, but I can't include because you met them are uh, Tom Hudner and, <laughs> and Tim, Timmy Harmon. So, totally all right, those aren't in here, but here we go. <clears throat> Country singer or someone I went to high school with. Wells Blanchard. Oh, that's someone you went to high school High school. With. Very Correct. waspy name. That's, Correct. Yeah, that's JC. You nailed it. That's not like <laughs> okay. Luke Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it's pretty close. All right, here we go next. Braxton Jones. Oh, Braxton sounds very country. I say country singer. That's Braxton true. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to. Go with JC because only because I don't think you'd do two high school people in a row. Now I'm I and then <laughs> oh, I, this psychology. is like my downfall as a student is I yeah. analyze like yeah the what's order the teacher thing <laughs> right. and, and, and not the actual topic at hand. Okay, that is someone I went to high school oh with. Oh my god, Braxton Jones. <laughs> of, course, of course it is. Of course you'd start with two, and maybe you even do three to just Uh-oh. totally throw me off. This the is trail. hilarious. Right, well, you'll have to try it out with the next name, which is. Parker McCollum. Oh. Parker McCollum. That's someone you went to high school with. <laughs> Country singer. Country singer. <laughs> Goldie's <laughs> all out of sorts. Here we go with some more. The notion that I'm failing at anything is so enraging right <laughs> now, even though the it. stakes are nothing. There are no stakes. <laughs> I love it. All right, here we go. Colin Studs. That's Collins. a country singer. High school. That's a country singer. High school. That is high school. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> God damn it. All right, here we go. A few more. <laughs> Madeline Edwards. Oh. That's someone you went to high school with. Uh, That's a country singer. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fucking shit. He <laughs> didn't even give me a Sorry, chance. Sorry, JC. That's I didn't okay. want you. I just wanted to get yes. Goldie so no, fast. No, no, you're right. It would probably myself. be more enraging okay, if I got it right. <laughs> Will Willis. Oh, <laughs> Will Willis? Will Willis. Country singer. Yeah, that's got to be a country singer. Oh. High school. Oh, no, that's such a stupid name. No <laughs> one would have that name and go to private school. Will <laughs> Willis? That's I'm a sorry, fucking... Will. That's... I'm sorry, Will. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> you can curse on here. What's your middle name? William, William, Willis. <laughs> it's Bill. Will, Will, Will. Wonus. <laughs> Will Wonus. I really apologize. Second joke of the what, day. what a horrible thing I just said. <laughs> no, he doesn't listen. Okay, he I, doesn't I, listen. I'm unraveling. That's why. All right, here we go. That's, it has nothing to do with you, William Williams. <laughs> here we go. Bailey Zimmerman. Oh, okay, Zimmer- you went to high school with that. Country person. singer? Oh. Country singer. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm now okay, like go. Roman Roy in that succession episode where like any decision I make is going to be the wrong one. Yes. It's a Schrodinger's cat where I'm wrong all the time. No, you're going to get back on track. You're like one, they don't, they aren't a country singer or a high school student until I say the wrong answer. Right. right. Until yes. you open the box. Yes. yes. And they're yes. definitely dead. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Next. Sean Whalen. Okay. High school. I was saying yes. country. Okay. Yeah, Goldie. Yes. <laughs> you get You're it. back. Andy's back. Andy's back. <laughs> okay, here we go. A few more. Steph Southerd. Oh, Steph? Steph Southerd. That's a high school student. Country singer. High school student. Yeah. And Goldie's back on the board. <laughs> Climbing his way back in. All right, here we go. A couple more. Carrie Bragdon. Bragdon. I mean, that's a country singer. I say country singer too. High school. You fucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just like two more. Bragdon. Ross Hill. High school. Country singer. Hill. What's that, JC? Country singer. High school. High school. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I rooting for Goldie to be right? <laughs> that's like, a Massachusetts, <laughs> like, oh, just okay. a, that's just your average kid. Oh, okay. Last one. Sam Bayard. Sam I'm gonna Bayard. Say it's tough because l- you think they would make them change the name because it's confusing to be a country singer. S- Sam but, Bayard. But maybe country singers pridefully don't change their name. <laughs> like Zimmerman? Because they, they wear that stupid hat, too. <laughs> I say I'm going to say that's a country singer. So do I. High school. You fuck. Oh, this was so fun. <laughs> that was so fun. Goldie, thank you for thinking of that bit. Totally that unraveled. Oh, cool. Fit perfectly yeah. into that. All right. I'm having a bad day. It's like <laughs> 8 46 a.m. Let's, like, let's no. change Call that. It. Let's let's bring out our guest and change that. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be soft intro here you've you've heard him before on this podcast if you're a fan uh we've both worked with him he's one of our heroes our mentors one of the best comedy writers ever to do it 
Mr. Mike Scully is here, and he has the courage to join us for a little segment we call Johnny Jokes. Whoa, from Hollywood, and these were all written a few weeks ago here. <laughs> Johnny yeah, it doesn't, nice. doesn't matter when we wrote these. It's just Evergreen. making money for Amazon. We can do that, right? Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Mike, uh, would you like to lead us off, or where would you like to go in this batting order? Uh, I will go first. And speaking of jokes written a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. This joke I actually wrote two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago to this day. My cat woke me up at four in the morning because she decided she needed an, an earlier breakfast. And <laughs> the story was breaking. And I okay. wrote this joke and I sent it to somebody who's on tour and they've used it. And it but it's the definition oh. of a topical joke. It literally had like a 24-hour shelf life. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. So I'm asking the audience to go back in their mind yeah. two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, right? the time it was. So if, you're, if you were watching Johnny two weeks ago... <laughs> You might have heard this joke. <laughs> okay, big announcement today. Despite concerns about his advanced age and habit of saying crazy things in public, the New York Jets have acquired Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> did he did he send that joke to Will Willis? <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, was the day of the Biden announcement. Yeah. Yes, I. It was just one of those things. They both happened the same morning. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> You don't get that story. All right. That's Back good. Back to stuff. Okay. Uh, story from the world of science. Ooh, science. Love that. <laughs> Whole world. Scientists have discovered a link between oral sex and throat cancer. In other news, the L.A. coroner has changed Nancy Reagan's cause of death. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I love that. that. Get her. Uh. <laughs> Determined to destroy her legacy. Yeah, she, she could not just say no to oral sex. Oh, my God. Uh, Aretha Franklin's childhood home is back on the market after a deal to buy the house fell through. Yeah, uh, the seller withdrew his offer after he wasn't allowed to inspect just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little Inspect bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> INSPCT. <laughs> kind of I'm just glad. I'm just glad you didn't make some joke about Aretha and falling through. Because that's, that's what I. Was, that's <laughs> where I thought it was going. A less skilled writer. Yeah, no, you did. You did way better than that. Uh, uh, story from Texas. Uh, Texas politician Brian Slayton was forced to resign from office after he got a 19-year-old member of his staff drunk and had sex with her. You know, if he didn't want to get in trouble, he should have just shot her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, love it. All right. And this last one, I want to attempt a norm. (laughs) I love it. Do it. I'm clearing my throat like I have a norm impression. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll spin around in the chair first. And just <laughs> go something like this. Yeah, it seems that crazy Writers Guild strike out in L.A. has turned into an unlikely dating scene among striking writers. Yeah, because the best way to start a relationship, unemployed and angry. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Uh, great job. Uh, great Ooh, job. That's, okay. that's it. 
Here comes Johnny too. All right. Well, uh, the votes are in for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the inductees this year include Kate Bush and George Michael. Uh, it's perhaps for the best that Michael has passed away, as he famously hated Bush. Oh. <laughs> famously hated Bush. Uh, oh, here's a big story from this weekend. King Charles had his coronation ceremony last weekend with many Brits predicting a long reign. Meteorologists mostly, but still. <laughs> All right, a little softy. Uh, jury selection. Jury selection has begun in the Smartmatic voting machine lawsuit against Fox News. Uh, the plaintiffs say they are looking for unbiased jurors. The defense says they are looking for your uncle on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uncle on Facebook. <laughs> Keyword for racism. All right. And thankfully, finally, uh, former Happy Days and Charles in Charge star Scott Bayo said he will be leaving California due to the homeless crisis. The former actor says he now plans to be homeless somewhere else. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Johnny Three, take us away. Okay. Uh, well, across the pond, Prince Charles was coronated this week. As the crown was placed on his head, more than 2,000 people shouted, God save the king. And more than 20,000 shouted, and kill his brother Andrew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Prince Harry was relegated to the middle of the crowd, and his wife, Meghan Markle, was back in Santa Barbara. Uh, she didn't skip the ceremony. That's just how far away her seat was. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, down in Brazil, Mark Zuckerberg, meta Facebook chief, Mark Zuckerberg won gold in a jujitsu tournament. Oh. Yeah. And... Uh, Asked his key to victory, Zuckerberg explained he spent hundreds of hours in a gym bribing referees. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> this is an interesting story. A man staying in a hotel smelled something odd and then looked and found it was a dead body under his bed. And uh, he did the only thing he could do. He put it on the room service cart and pushed it into the hall. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, that was a great one. That Good was, one to close my, on. All right, well, I was actually you, looking at that Zuckerberg one last night, and I, I kept trying to think of something. With, uh, all I knew is it had to end with, in his gi. <laughs> That's all. I... That's so Carson. I know. Any any time jujitsu is brought up, it's instantly Jewish yeah. jitsu. So like we, there's something that yeah. I was looking at that one too. There's no and, way he's good at jujitsu. It's like when people would say Obama's actually pretty good at basketball. It's like everyone is just like making him feel that way. I'm sure. I know. Yeah, o Obama's jumper was weird. Just had oh, a weird it, look terrible to it. form. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Another great shot, Chief. <laughs> I know. It was like he got no elevation, but his back legs kicked up insanely high. And his arms like, also, it was it was a push. Like, they didn't yeah. arc up and in. Yes. It was like just a push. 
Yeah, it was like a, a zero elevation Toyota commercial. <laughs> oh, oh, what a feeling. Um, well, oh, what a feeling we have here today, mm. because as you heard on from his great Johnny jokes, and I, again, applaud your courage in coming on to do that. Not many guests do, so that's yeah. a real writer right great. there. All the other ones, fake writers. Um, <laughs> Mike Scully is here talking to us today, although that was not a given. Uh, <laughs> last week yeah. when I texted Mike Scully <laughs> and asked him to come on the show, it was a pretty clear no. <laughs> there was just, you know, would not, not really a real excuse given, but it was definitely a no. And then the next thing I know, Goldie's texting JC and I practically with, a, with like the picture of Rudy being carried off the field <laughs> in Notre Dame. I didn't like, get that sense, Guys, but... <laughs> I got Mike Scully. He's coming on. So I want to know what happened. What happened? So can I go first, Mike, or do you want to go? Sure. No, go ahead. <laughs> so when I had the idea to bring Mike on, I said to you, Alec, uh so mike has now experienced three writer's strikes and so i thought he would have a very good historical perspective of the issues behind them and how he's been at different places in his career in each one how he handled psychologically getting through it sort of tactics he's seen used in the past to undermine writers and what we maybe should look out for what we are going to experience in this strike based on past strikes how the issues have changed etc so I, I said it's not really about the issues in this strike, per se, because we've covered that with David Goodman, and Justin Halpern. It's more about Mike's personal experience and the and the wisdom he can bring to this. And I said, so we should have him on. You agreed. And then you said, I'll text him and ask. And I knew when you said I'll text him, you would fuck up explaining oh, no. <laughs> the reasons for him to come on. I wouldn't think I would have to explain that. I would give just, it any nuance. You would... just go, hey, can you come on and talk about the strike? <laughs> and, which, and, which we I just had my, people do. I picture Mike, I picture Mike, it's like Christmas morning getting a text from me. Oh like I picture God. him getting so excited and me saying, do you want to come on the podcast? And him being, sure. And then I didn't know that we need, I thought we would talk about those things you talked about when he was here. I didn't people know that I needed to know explain them. You're thinking about them and yes, their circumstances, that's not what just the your, text needs, is for. your needs. I need guests, must ask guests. No. What is in it for guests? What is opportunity for guests? Oh, what God. Is how, how will guests feel? How make guests feel good? <laughs> will Willis. <laughs> won't, won't, won't us. Anyway, I'll let Mike explain for himself why it's yeah, better Mike, to be asked tell, by tell me us than, how this than went by down. you to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah that's what it felt like. Well, I do have the text exchange right oh, here. Oh, <laughs> that's what you were yeah, up please to. feel free. Feel free. I'm an open book. As long as you're as long as you're a male an guest, I'm book. an open book. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, would you be interested in coming on the podcast this Tuesday morning to talk about the strike? Unbelievable. And I replied. I replied. Sorry, I'll be working. Uh, <laughs> Which is funny. Very funny. I ha ha that. Okay. Right. And we, so a couple jokes were exchanged. So I said, well, there might be someone from the committee that can speak to the specific issues or experience them, gave some names. And one of them you just had on yesterday, which was Justin. And, uh, and then Alex said, look, you weren't my first choice. <laughs> That's how you handle rejection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he, he said he understood that I was respectfully passing. Yes. Okay. And that, yes. that was kind of the end of the conversation. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then I heard from Goldie 
I think it was like the next night, like su- su- uh, Sunday night or something. I let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me cloak myself you in know, that I, failure. I said, you can't ask right away because the stink is still on the initial <laughs> yeah. request. But there was stink. Maybe the windows have been open, a match has been lit, and uh, and the, the air is clear for a, a further That's explanation. Funny. No, but and I should say, I'm flattered to be asked, Alec, and, you know, you know, I want you know, to keep that Mulaney surge going for you yeah. guys. Yes, <laughs> thank you. You will. Oh, no, you're getting the Scully plunge now. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. By the, by the way, just I, I just want to say Mulaney was a, a great guest, incredibly gracious to do the show. And also, yesterday, I was out on the picket line, and he was there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, nice. So he's... He's, you know, he's one of you. He's got, he's got boots on the ground too. He's doing his part. Someone as successful as him is out there and, you know, giving up his work, which means more than me giving up my work. Right. Yeah. That's, that is, he might not be on a show though. Yeah. Where were you picketing? Uh, I was at Warner Brothers, which I don't have a personal beef with Warner Brothers. I've never worked there, really. Okay. I mean, Zaslav, that guy is the worst, the worst of them. (laughs) It seems like it. He comes from this reality world, which I don't know. Have you ever been on the Discovery app? No. Yes. So I I went on it because they had a documentary about Jared, the subway guy, which I had to watch. So I took my free (laughs) trial week. Uh, the documentary was bad, as okay. you would imagine. <laughs> right. yeah. Like, I didn't get into the fascinating part of the story, which to me is like, why are the sandwiches wet? <laughs> <laughs> that. And that he, people were like, you know, we couldn't do anything about it. He was too powerful. And it's like, he's just a guy who ate the same sandwich for years. There was nothing there. You talk about a Wizard of Oz yes. situation. That, like, you could at any moment have said at the first accusation, at the first hint of any accusation, God, let's get rid of this weirdo who just ate half a sandwich twice a day for like no one was looking to him for inspiration it's like oh my god you know that's that's like michael jordan i mean it's it's like <laughs> fucking some guy who ate a sandwich with no charisma like it, there's no reason you could have gotten rid of anyway that app i go on discovery what a shit pile oh and now he gets 250 million dollars and he's ruining hbo like he's just taking he's taking the worst brand and yeah. burying the good one in it and that's his big innovation and and that's he's getting in total as much money as all of us want right yeah and well that's the thing and he put out a statement the other day they're all kind of putting out these like statements like we love our writers we support the writers we'd be nowhere without without our writers but <laughs> then they, they go into their thing, like, uh, and Zaslav said, you know, but, you know, the business is in a state of upheaval right now. It's like, created by you. You, <laughs> yeah. you upheaved it. Upheaved. <laughs> well, this is a good point to dive in, because, like, one of the things I, I was thinking about is that in the past, and and, and when I was growing up and... I had heard these names and maybe you experienced them a little bit, but you would hear then a name like Warren Littlefield. Yeah. Uh, and you would think that this is someone both, you know, with an, an intelligence for the business, but with a passion for quality, seemingly. Yeah. Yes. For Robert Evans, like someone who, who you would go, 
look, I get that they have to have an eye on business and we are all subject to economic forces, but there seems to be a passion and an ability to do artistic things. And that seems like totally absent at this point. And am I crazy to think that that has been in decline or am I romanticizing the past? First of all, and I think uh, Mulaney touched on this when he was here about SNL, about uh, Lorne Michaels. And uh, when when Lorne left the show the first time, uh, that he was kind of under the illusion that they care about quality. And his his big takeaway was that they don't care if it's good. Yeah. They... It's it's about hitting certain financial numbers, you know, and that was true a long time. But I think it's even more true now. Uh, you could still get those occasional people that, you know, in the business, you know, that, that really cared about quality. But now it's so much about numbers. And I've had conversations about like where, you know, people at the top have told me we don't like this show, but we own it 100 percent. No yeah, God. Well, that, Goldie, you were Goldie. You were a victim of that with your show, which was performing well, but it wasn't wholly owned by uh, ABC. Isn't that right? I, I mean, that's what I've heard, but I don't know. And you know, I, I I don't. I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a victim. Like I'm happy the thing got on the air, and you know, I would wish it had gone better. You know, I I do wonder as we talk about this. And and just the idea of trying to make a living, right? And some of these little perks we get as writers that even if it comes down to some sort of economic wisdom, like you go, well, why are we paying for these guys lunch, right? Why are we paying for the writers to eat lunch? And and you 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 say, okay, you have these creative people. You've brought, you've brought them in a room. Now, if you give them a meal and they all eat at the same time, like maybe they take their meals together, they start talking. They come up with ideas or, you know, the fact that you're doing this means they don't have to, they could take this meal, deal with their personal shit during this hour as they eat. So then they're not like coming in late or leaving early or like totally stressed about their kid or their doctor's appointment or whatever, because they have some time or that they don't then have to leave the show, go buy some lunch for, you know, like $14 and then you know, they're running late or whatever. And they say, well, like, I don't need to get back. Like, fuck this. They don't care about us. Like, why am I going to bust my ass to get back? So it's it's like, I think sometimes they, they just look at a dollar amount without thinking about the full ramifications of spending the money and how it may save them in other ways. It seems like no psychology is applied at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and these are a lot of like the same places that, like they're, they're bitching at you now about, you know, the cost of lunch, for writers at, you know, the same places that in the 1980s were buying cocaine for the writers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we you mentioned Lorimar and Karolko earlier. They had to be doing that. God, we missed everything good. I know. I, know. <laughs> I literally missed it. Like, it, I was so close. <laughs> and it's probably a good thing. Right. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were just hastily wiping off the table as you walked yes, in for exactly. your first day. <laughs> no, it was like all these veteran writers on my first job telling me, man, if you were here a year ago, that oh, wow. table would be a pile of cocaine. <laughs> wow. Oh just God. gazing up everyone's wrecked septum as you're <laughs> trying to think of Bart lines. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my God. Well, so 
Mike, you, you're referring back to, the, uh, to when you first came out here. So t- tell us a little bit about what was going on in the business during the first strike you went through. When, when was that and what were some of the issues going into that one? Uh, yeah, the first strike for me was, uh, it was the 1920s. Uh, <laughs> it was mainly about uh, charcoal etchings. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I should preface, I, I start, my first job on a show was 1986. And um, the writers on that show, like, I was kind of pr- I got my like Writers Guild card in the mail after having been there for X number of weeks, paid my initiation. And I was excited that, I, oh, I got my WGA card. And they all sh- just shit on the guild. All these like <laughs> veteran writers. Like, oh, man, you're going to hate that place. And oh, my God. God. <laughs> uh, they, oh, they just take your money. And they don't do anything for you. And fuck them. Oh, <laughs> my God. Like, wow. Like, all right. Um, I was like, well, these guys have been here a long time. They, I guess they know better. Right. And that was kind of my first impression of the Writers Guild. I didn't know anything about them. And I you know, had the choice to read up and learn, but I just took it at face value. <laughs> <laughs> and so 1988, you know, I, like I said, I've only been on the one show and the strike comes. And I, it was ma- the big issue in that. There's always like kind of, sim- you know, minimums and residuals. They always try to roll back health care, you know, pension, that kind of stuff. Yeah. The big issue of that one was VHS royalties was oh, wow. of the 88 strike. Yeah. And um, it was the first time, though, however, prior to the 88 strike, the way I've since learned, the studios would come in, but they were all competitors and they still acted as rivals in mm. the negotiation. So they were always kind of looking to undercut each other right. <laughs> and wow. the 1988 strike the lead negotiator which i believe was a guy named nicholas counter was the one Perfect who convinced team. them you're doing this all wrong like you've got to lock arms and present yeah. a united front yeah um, Smart. and forget forget that you're competitors when you're in the negotiation room and so that was the like an unexpected thing that happened in that negotiation, and it That's caused the strike to go much longer. And then we... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I went to like my first big strike meeting at the Hollywood Palladium Wow. to see what this was all about. And the union was kind of very fractured at the time. Um, and nothing like you know what we have now. And 
So I went in there to see what these meetings were all about. And Gary David Goldberg, and there was a lot of like yelling and screaming and name calling. Wow. <laughs> I mean, as entertainment goes, it yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but as union solidarity, not so much. Right. Um, but Gary David Goldberg, Creative Family Ties, oh. stood up at one point when the meeting was just out of control and commanded the whole room. And there's like five, 6,000 people in there and gave this super eloquent speech about like what had transpired so far and how he thought we you know could you know get to the end and how we have to change our approach and it was just so articulate in my head like there is no way anybody is going to disagree with what he say he finishes his speech and instantly Boo. <laughs> oh, I love a lusty boo. Yeah, There's nothing yeah. better than a full-throated boo. So that strike went like five months, maybe a little more than that. And wow. did people, were Whoa. people opposed to holding out for those residuals on the VHS? Is that it? That people were like, let's just work. We make enough money. Was that the contingent that was booing or what was the opposition to holding out? I think it was like... There was a faction of don't change course, you know, don't don't veer from the plan, even though the studios had it was kind of don't adapt. Right. Uh, you know, or don't course correct. Right. Um, and, you know, and some people were just saying, like, fuck it. It's over. You know, let's just go back to work. Other people were like, no, we're out here for a reason and we're out here for the future. And, you know, writers in the 60s did this for us. And, you know, right. That kind of stuff. So now. Like, you know, Flashpoint after, you know, 88, there's no strikes for, you know, till 2007. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I do feel like even if we struck every 50 years, the town would go again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. It really doesn't matter how often it happens. Yeah. Um, so during that time from 88 to 2007, the Guild, I think, did an awesome job of you know, better leadership, organization, more reach out to members, more explaining of what the guild does for them and how we got the things that we had. Like, because you don't know a lot of times, young writers don't know where residuals and healthcare and pension, where all that stuff comes from. Yeah. It's just kind of assumed that when you get the membership, that's part of it and that it was always there unless it's explained. Uh, and I think that's what the guild has done a great job of since 88 uh, in educating the membership. Well, pre-email and pre-email and cell phones, how was the information communicated to you? People, oh, would people yeah. just call you like there were strike captains and they would say, and they would mail, you know, reach mail? out in that way? Or was there a newsletter? Or? That's a, it's a great question. I honestly, oh, actually it was, there was probably the magazine that, oh, yeah. that at that time was actually like a real source of news, you know, and you could, attend a meeting if you wanted to. So they were doing a good job of keeping you informed. I don't recall there being strike captains at the time. There might have been. I just don't remember. Well, my dream as a writer, actually, my only goal is I want to be the first person ever to appear on the cover of WGA magazine shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> and and if, if you do, I want to ask that I be alongside you wearing your shirt and my shirt, <laughs> just so I can be double shirted. Um, so Mike, you brought up an interesting thing. And, and for our listeners who don't know, I, I can't imagine many of them don't, but residuals 
uh, basically means if you've written an episode of television or a movie and then that movie or TV episode gets replayed uh, in reruns uh, in the past on a cable network and now on streamers, that residuals are a little more money that you make um, for your work. And do you, Mike, have a, was that uh, decided in the strike that you referred to in the 60s? Or do you know how residuals initially came about? Because you just said we didn't always get them. And sometimes we feel like we we just always have. Yeah, I think that came about in the either 1960 or uh, maybe 1973. I can't remember which. It might have been 60s. But I do remember work on my first job. There was a writer there who had uh, written an, uh, he had written on F Troop, yes. on the show, which I loved as a kid. Yeah. And I said, he said, "Oh, I just I just saw one of your episodes the other day." And his first question goes, "Was it in black and white or color?" I get no money on the black and white ones. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it was sixties. So, so. That's funny. Yeah, but residuals. It's not so much like it's nice, to, you know, it's always nice to get extra money, but the real, you know, plus of residuals and the real purpose is to tide writers over through what can be long stretches of unemployment. Yeah. Um, and you will suddenly, like, just when you're like, are out of money, like rent money or food money, suddenly this envelope, you know, appears with a check for some work you did, you know, a year or two prior, and that can keep you going for several months. So yeah. it's, it's really an important thing. And I think the studio's attitude uh, has always kind of been, and I know this was like Rupert Murdoch in particular hates the whole concept of residuals. <laughs> it's, of course. You know, yeah. I already paid for it once. Why am I paying again? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. But but it's really you know, it's important for writers to maintain a livelihood, and residuals are a big part of that. Is, yeah. is there also though more of a justification for it? I mean, that's sort of in in my mind the 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 lesser justification. The the greater justification is we take our intellectual property and sell it to them under mm -hmm. this right. condition. And that like sometimes I, I, I do wonder if expressing it is like, well, you know, we need this money and then we happen to it's it almost like lessens what we've done for them, which is, you know, we've essentially given them a patent or something like we've invented something. We've created yes, something yeah. and given them the right to use the thing. And we want like a little cut each time they use it. And it's no different than, you know, if we invented some sort of faucet and they were selling millions of units of the faucet and we would get like two pennies a faucet. And, and so I, mm -hmm. that's part of it though. Right. Like I'm not crazy in thinking that that's the, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I always remember the, the story about the uh, McDonald's employee, the guy, they had a contest to invent a new sandwich for McDonald's and he invented the big Mac. Wow. So the prize for the contest was $25. Oh, my God. I think they've made that back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and But to, to my knowledge, they've never given him anything beyond that $25. Wow. And God. that's still, it's a very corporate mentality of, hey, you knew the prize was $25, yeah. man. Yeah. And, and it, it never happens with, and the streamers are a great example of this. And... The like animated the primetime animation like Simpsons and Family Guy. Uh, when something you know, when you go into it and they say 
we don't know what this is going to be like this. This might not make any money like, you know, we, we can't even put a value on it. But when it blows up, you know, <laughs> into yeah. multi like hundreds of billions of dollars, they never come back and go, hey, you know, this wound up being a lot bigger than any of us thought. <laughs> no. So we we put this. <laughs> yeah. pile of money together Aside for just you. for you <laughs> that does not cross their mind so you always have to fight for it yeah right. and you know that that's a great point um they never come forward and and admit something like that and it does seem to me and this is just a smaller point but every clerical error that's occurred in my payment over the years has been in the studio's favor. Yes. There's yeah. never been wow. a situation where they're like, whoops, we paid you double or whoops, right. you got 2% extra on every paycheck. It's always the opposite. Always. Yeah. And they always say, oopsie. I think right. some of the studios, that is their business model. Yeah. I, I mean, this is the most cynical thing I'm going to say today. But I doubt I, it. Based on my own experience, that every time I've caught it, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was 7% short or whatever. And they just think, oh, these are dumb writers. They don't know anything about numbers. They'll never check. And I, th I think it's a secret business model, perhaps. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. It could. I've had that thought before. And also, for, for those writers out there listening, of course, this will do you no good now because we're on strike and, and it, you know, no communication with the studios is possible. But there is a thing, and I became aware of this woefully late in my writing career, but when you have a deal with the studio you get they withhold a certain amount of money until you physically sign the contract that oh, wow. that they give you like so if you have a 2 year deal for x amount of dollars and you start getting paid they are still withholding a certain percentage of that money until you physically sign the contract and they will never tell you that Wow. Um, and, and my agents, you know, the last couple of deals have been like, oh, did you know about this? I'm like, no. And it, it gets to be kind of a significant amount of money. So when we get back working, everybody sign their contracts. Yes. <laughs> get that money. Yeah. All right. So Mike, the, so the 88 strike, you'd been out here a couple of years. I assume the show you were talking about working on was What a Country with Yakov Smirnoff. Yes, yes. So hopefully he wasn't in your ear with some uh, communist propaganda <laughs> keeping this all going. But so it sounds like the, the major issue in that strike was the VHS residuals. And one of the major developments was that the networks locked arms, as you say, and decided, oh, th this is going to be much better for us if we're all on the same page in this thing, which is a big tactical shift, apparently. Yeah. And just player wise, you just had, you know, a, f a few studios and HBO. It, it wasn't mm. like there's right. so many people involved now. Right. So it was basically like five five entities, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. the four networks, Fox was new and HBO was, you know, kind of new. Um, all right. So that's, yeah, you're not dealing with as many players. So then fast forward to 2007 in the, in the interim, we've had cable TV has exploded and there are now, you know, 400 channels as opposed to the, uh, four or five that were mm -hmm. on before. So in 2007, what was your experience during that strike? Where, where were you at in your career and what did you feel, you know, some of the major, uh, things were going on there in the business? Yeah, 2007, I believe I was at... Fuck. Parks and Rec? 
Was I a Parks and Rec? Okay. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it might have been that. And like a combination, I was probably still consulting at Simpsons or something. Right. Uh, but the big one in 2007, like I said, there's always the minimums, residuals, healthcare, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the big overall one was jurisdiction over new media, of, of what they called new media, because they weren't calling it streaming yet. Oh. It, there wasn't really, I think Netflix was still in the like mailing DVD business. Yep. Oh, wow. um, they just that stopped thing. that, by the way. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah, they just, it was a st- news story like a week or two ago that they finally ended <laughs> mailing DVDs to people like my dad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess now I get why you're striking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope they let them keep the DVDs <laughs> because what are they going to do with them? They don't yeah. need to mail them out again. Yeah, yeah exactly. True. Yeah, so that was, you know, they were calling it new media as kind of an umbrella term for YouTube and Internet and, you know, anything, yeah. um, uh, maybe like on demand. No one really knew, again, like the value of what is this, you know, new media thing going to be. So we were just basically arguing to, first of all, set the precedent that writers are entitled to a share of this. Yeah. Uh, which is hugely important because their whole business model, if you've ever made a deal with anybody, the word precedent gets thrown at you a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and never in your favor. No. Uh, right. <laughs> the precedent is never doing the right thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, the Trump administration? Hey, yeah. So that's really was the fight. And it was, as it dragged on, it was a, it was a hard um, concept for a lot, some people to understand. For, I mean, jurisdiction doesn't rhyme with a lot of chance. It doesn't really <laughs> yeah. work well. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, thank God, because there was still a contingent uh, of people of which I'm ashamed to say I was one of them saying, you were just going to let DVD royalties go? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. our future, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what, what, our show is just going to appear out of thin air. <laughs> I remember you marching back and forth with your sweater made out of DVDs to draw yeah. that issue. <laughs> uh, what, I wonder what DVDs would have been on that sweater. Copland. <laughs> Copland, always. <laughs> Copland. You blew it. Copland DVDs. So, okay. And ice so, castles. <laughs> so, and now I, I, I seem to remember, because Goldie and I were, were out there at that point. Uh, we yep. were working writers. And I seem to remember that that strike had a, a good resolution for the writers. It felt like it at the time, or at least that's how it was portrayed to us. Like, we won. Oh, Did yeah. You- uh, just establishing that precedence that to get the studios to say writers are entitled to a piece of this mm-hmm. is huge yeah. uh, because the, the, the normal position is you get nothing. This is our mm-hmm. business and you're not entitled. And, and that's would be their precedent. Uh, so just getting our foot in the door, you know, to something that nobody knew the value of uh, was was major like now you can look you know at the billions and billions of dollars and the way the business has changed mm-hmm. um so now we're trying to you know raise you know the agreed upon terms from back then and you know this would well, clarify up- the companies are all losing a lot of money which is why the presidents get paid so much yeah because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. they're doing I- such a good job 
I always think of that Mr. Burns line, like, I, well, I'd pay you, but I'm a bit strapped for cash. And then the roof caves in with gold coins behind him. Uh, it seems like that's what these CEOs are, are like right now. But so that's interesting about the two, 2007 strike, because I, I guess I had just forgotten how closely tied those issues are to, to kind of the ones we're, we're dealing with now, where we were right back in 2007 to make a big issue out of this internet thing, yeah. because mm-hmm. now it's almost all this internet thing. And so now we're saying, hey, we see what this business has become, and so we want, we want uh, a more livable slice of the pie from this new media. Is that kind of your impression of what's happening? Yeah, absolutely. And it, we were also, I think, I think writers were kind of sold a bill of goods by when the streamers started creating original content. Mm. There was a lot of, you know, you know, come to Netflix, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah no want, notes. I remember being a, the yes, big yeah. pitch is like, we're not going to give you notes. And wow. of course, yeah, that no notes, you know, see your creative vision you know, come to life the way you, you know, were, they were kind of selling themselves as the anti-network. Right. You know? yeah. uh, was it actually like that at any point? In the very beginning, uh, yeah. But it, now it feels more calculated that, that <laughs> they kind of knew what they were doing. And, you know, even at the beginning, actually for what, uh, on the 2007 thing, I think back now, like, because we were, you know, the writers, we genuinely didn't know the value and the studios were saying they don't know what the value is. But now I think back, like, I have a feeling they did know <laughs> this is going to be huge. Well, <laughs> right. why would they be doing it if they didn't think it would be huge? Like, right. they were just like, let's go into a business that's not a good business. Because, like, one, one thing, and this goes back to my original point, but so I was a page at NBC uh, in 1996. And I remember you know, I, I didn't want to be a tour guide and I didn't want to do much of the job. But when they gave me that blazer with a logo on it and I walked into 30 Rock, I had this sense of stepping into history, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the sort of elegance of the job, the, the meaningfulness of NBC to America, what it meant to me growing up, a sense of nostalgia and both a sense of excitement that I was now going to be a part of this. And now, say when... I had a project at Amazon. I walk into Amazon and it's like, there's no even feel for the business because their business is sending out stuff in packages to people, you know, their their business isn't creating, like, I don't even know what an Amazon show is or a Netflix show is. It's just a quantity business. Mm -hmm. And so I think they've kind of made the business even more cynical by not having a a brand other than money. And so then when you go, hey, look, if this is about money for you, it's about money for us too then. I, and I don't see anything yeah. wrong with saying that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, we may be artists or whatever. Like I think they want to go, yeah, but you're just concerned with that. And it's like, yeah, we are, but you're only concerned with money seemingly. Yeah. So yes. why shouldn't we be? Yeah. yeah I, no, I mean, the only pushback I would have on that is I, w- I will say that as it seems like Netflix are kind of being pains in the asses at the, uh, about these negotiations. I've heard a couple of times, like they're the strongest holdout, but I will say between Netflix and Amazon, I mean, come on, Netflix has way better shows. I'd say they have an identity artistically beyond Amazon, which is just a shit show over there. So not to, not to stand up and defend Netflix, but at least their product is, I enjoy it. 
Scab. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, boo. <laughs> boo earns. Boo earns, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But even Netflix now, I do find, I, I was trying to think of like, what shows do I watch? Like when Netflix first came out, I recall watching a lot of shows and wanting to check. And now I, I'm hard pressed to find like, you know, shows that I actually want to watch on Netflix. I feel like there's an awful lot of Canadian horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty scary, eh? <laughs> but I mean, their, their difficulty in branding themselves and in, in doing that is, it, I think it's tied into their lack of appreciation for our work, honestly. It's like, they don't know what's good. They don't think what we do is valuable. They think it's disposable and it isn't. And it's, they don't realize that's their, your business is this. Like, right. why do you not value it? It's crazy. Your only yeah. business is creative stuff. And we are the people who do that. So yeah. what do you think yeah. your business is? Just like rotating crap? Like that's why you <laughs> went to business school and got yeah, that I, job I, and filled out that application <laughs> and, and, and trained for the interview and put your you know stupid business outfit on to go into the company to just do crap? I think rota rotating crap. That's their business meeting every morning. What are we? Ro what crap are we rotating today? <laughs> that would be the old uh, NBC Wheel of Mystery. <laughs> yeah, rotating with the Columbo and McMillan and wife or something. Yeah. Like rotating crap. <laughs> what was the? What was the? What was the other one there with the um, uh, the guy who, who Weaver who rode the horse? He was oh, a, uh, McLeod. McLeod. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, like as, as much as we bash sometimes on executives jo and jokingly so, because we, we all know good executives, like I really think it's uh, the executives want to do good. I think they're hampered by the same forces we're hampered by, which is literally yeah. just at the top. And I'm talking about like the CFO, CEO level, a mm -hmm. lack of vision and appreciation and even an understanding of what a good show is and how a show works. I don't think they get it at all. Yeah. yeah. Most of the creative executives that, you know, I've dealt with, I mean, they became creative executives because they love TV and they love yes. movies. Um, it's not, you know, they're, they're not like, you know, we love budgets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but it's changed. And I think like, again, like when the streamers came in, uh, it was the first time I started hearing TV shows referred to as content. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. We need more content. We need products. We need, you know, like, yeah. yeah. It's like, they're shows. Why don't yeah. you call them shows? Anymore? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you've got a word with more syllables. You yeah. can just say shows, <laughs> you know, and I a think in their heads, that, that's what it is, you know, that it's just product. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you haven't come from The Simpsons. And and we obviously work on Family Guy, and we're we're very similar, and not just in that joking way, but we're very similar in the, in that I feel like, and this has been confirmed, I feel like they don't they don't care what the episode is, they don't care about one joke in it as long as you're not offending Christians, you know, yes. they don't care about anything in the show, they don't care about how it's written, they just want the 22 minutes to add to their stockpile another another and, and it's like lucy with the chocolates like they just yeah. want them to keep coming out uh as you said and they don't really care 
what it is. But to, to get back for to a minute about HBO Max, which will soon be Max, which I also think you're right, Goldie. That's just it's like Guy Endor Kaiser, who's a, a friend of ours, a writer. Yeah. He said that's like as if Disney changed its name to Walt. right Right. or it's just like if if the two basketball teams in la change themselves to the laker clippers and then just you know what we're just gonna go with clippers it's like why um but but so uh, hbo especially because it seems like we were talking about them a little bit it seems so ironic and i hope I, i i love succession you know it continues to just amaze and this on this week's succession and this is not a spoiler i'm there was a scene on the balcony between Tom and Shiv, okay? That okay. was one of the best written scenes I've ever seen in any... It was like, it was, it, you could have torn that right out of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. It was that level wow. of, of complex and savage and, and, and sad. And, and it was clearly, you know, this was a writer, a writer put this amazing scene together against the backdrop of their company who's putting this out saying, ah, shut up, writers. You know, you right. already get plenty. It's like, we are giving you the pinnacle of this art form. And here it is for you on Sunday night. And you're still going to say like, nah, I don't care if your wages are down 25%. It, we, you, it's unfair. Right. It just yeah. it just seemed like uh, horrid relief that, that that those two things are happening at the same time. No, and I think that that scene you're talking about was actually a great argument, not only for the writers, but for the Directors Guild and the Screen Actors Guild. It was everybody operating, you know, the, you know, IOTC, like everything operating at its most, you know, creative and awesome. And, you know, where you want to, you know, we actually went back and watched the scene a second time yes. after it happened. Oh, wow. Because it was that good. Uh, it was so good. It was so good that Tal and I could not make eye contact during it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good it was. <laughs> it was such a great scene. Which one I, did you think you were? <laughs> oh, I knew. I knew which one I was. Oh, yeah. Ground control to Major Tom right here. <laughs> Call me Wom's Gans. Um, yeah, go ahead, Goldie. Well, one thing I, I thought we could talk about, you know, given that this is your third strike now, is I remember the last strike. So I, I was 07. I started writing in 02, and I was part of the 07 one. And I remember, you know, at the time I didn't have kids, um, and I was just living in an apartment. I, I didn't have a ton of money saved or anything. So it w- I was in more desperate circumstances than I am now. And I would remember being like really addled about it and and refreshing deadline you know, several times a day and reading the comments <laughs> and trying to parse for myself yeah. like what's going on and like are the sides any closer and so i thought maybe could you speak to sort of maybe how to guard yourself against being manipulated and how to get through the strike psychologically because one thing i'm doing this time is i'm not checking deadline and i'm not reading any comments and i'm just going to rely on when the guild emails me and tells me what's going on. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what a great job the guild has done over the years in organizing the membership and talking to us directly. Um, And 
to where we now know. Because I, I was the same in that 2007 strike. I think Nikki Fink should have given us a piece of deadline when she sold it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That strike put that website on the map. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Because of our incessant refreshing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just to see any half-baked rumor or anything. We just were so hungry uh, for information. But the Guild has done a great job of just letting everybody know anything you read that's not a direct communication from us is bullshit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and don't let anybody speak for us. Don't you know, Just don't believe it. And everybody I've talked to is on board now. We get it. And they came through by sending us that chart of exactly what went down in the negotiations. Yeah. That was huge. Um, instead of just their interpretation of it, we actually saw the numbers and the responses and what they were asking for and what was offered. And, you know, uh, it, I think it really rallied a lot of people. As much as people did not want to strike, you can't read that thing and, and say, oh, we should have taken this deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't even negotiate on so many of the issues, which was yeah. really alarming. And now it seems like, because Goldie brought up Deadline, and I, I agree, like back in 2007, I feel like I was doing the same thing, reading the comments, refreshing, seeing stories. But now Deadline seems to be a kind of corporate mouthpiece. It, it Like the, the few headlines that I have right. seen that people will post on Instagram angrily saying, mm-hmm. look what Deadline said about our strike. Yeah, like the way they strike. phrase things. They do seem intentionally misleading. Like there was this thing where, God bless Michael J. Fox, one of my favorite all-time celebrities, yeah. but he has a, uh, there's a documentary about him that's coming out. It's called Still. I believe it's for Apple TV. And they were supposed to have the premiere of it um, right after the strike started. And he said, well, fuck that. I'm not going to the premiere because I'm I'm in solidarity with the Writers Guild. And the deadline headline was like, writers strikes concerns postpone, right. you know, still premiere. Instead yeah. of saying Michael J. Fox, you know, refuses to break strike, like which would have been a much more effective headline for us. So have these companies like Deadline that started out as like, well, we're just going to try and report the news. They're now in the pockets, it seems like, of, of bigger corporations. Yeah, I think they do count on them for access to, you know, all sorts of information from the sets of movies that are shooting or from premieres and film festivals. And so they're in constant communication with the studio. So, yeah, I would say for every article that I've seen recently on Deadline, that um, addresses, you know, what's going on right now, like for every four or five that seem to be slanted to the studio, there's one in support of writers. Now they're trying, I noticed yesterday, they're trying to do a lot of pictures from the picket line, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I think there definitely is a little bit of uh, in in the pocket. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, so that's interesting. So basically, the the, the takeaway there is, uh, if you're a writer, listen to the Writers Guild because that seems like I mean they were incredibly transparent and in putting. I think that was a genius move that they put out that document that that was our proposals and their uh, answers to them because that was just like black and white. Yeah, and it does get hard as the strike goes on. You get so hungry for information, you know. Yeah. And we just, you know, you have to trust the union that when there is information, they'll give it to us. It wasn't the, the guild that walked away from the table. It was the studios. Well, yeah. you know, one, one thing I remember from 07, and I, I would anticipate this happen happening again, although I don't have knowledge of it, but 
it seemed one of the tactics was they'll get a meeting on the books in you know a week or two weeks and then you you get all ramped up and you're like okay maybe it'll be resolved at this meeting and then they just walk out to increase your desperation now do you you know do you remember other tactics that have been used to sort of subterfuge our psychologies or um i remember um Sony took one of my kids once. <laughs> <laughs> That's and just babysitting. <laughs> and, 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 and you almost reacted. Yeah. You, credit, you held it back. You said, I no. Did. I, I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, right. How long before you even noticed one was missing? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's a big clan over at the Scully House. Uh, we're, Julie, we're down a girl. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and getting back to what you were saying, like stuff they do, Goldie, yeah, it is the planting of you know phony stories of you know i mean you saw like the first day of the strike i believe there was conflicting stories of what went down in the room uh but and they make a big deal out of hey you know you know we gave you that you know staff writers we're get close paid. yeah we're close yeah. it's it's yeah. you guys and i think that you just have to be aware that when they mm-hmm. say that it's just words probably yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean if i want to believe like who was the most you know entrenched in the room uh yeah let's see the eight lawyers or the eight writers <laughs> right that's a great point well now because yeah. we know you actually have to get out to the strike line so we just want to get a, a, a couple more things in here we have sure, a fun absolutely. fun fun bit we want to do at the end that Goldie i'm thought counting of. this as picketing now so oh yeah. good good yeah. yes it is right it is yeah, my, pencils my... down means pencils down yeah. hollywood's a union tent <laughs> <laughs> but so how do you because, you know, people are speculating, oh, my God, the strike is going to go on for, you know, three months, six months or whatever. Um, you've been through a couple now before. Does there start to be a feeling like this is going to end? And do you remember any of the hallmarks, you know, the doves from shore that let you feel like, OK, we are act- maybe now actually close to to getting somewhere? I, I always look at it as anytime they're talking with each other, there's a hope. Yes. Uh, so I think that's that's the only indicator. I can't say the in- indicator that the end is near, but anytime they're talking with each other, there's a hope. And, and when they're not talking, it, it can be discouraging. Uh, but we're, yeah. we're also going to see what happens like with the DGA and SAG negotiations. Uh, I think those are starting up soon. Um, the DGA might actually start tomorrow. So the support of like of those places, and I think every union could benefit from this, you know, the shutting down of production. Like yesterday, the uh, Duffer Brothers, you know, shut down Stranger Things, and I believe it's their final season. It'll be a huge deal for Netflix. Yeah. And they shut down production until the strike is over. That's uh, huge. And, Whoa. Yeah, that's, you know, that's gigantic. And, you know, and and the cast of that show, you know, they're like in their mid forties now, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I think that's a great point, and I totally agree with you. And that speaks to, I think, the writer's mentality, which is, you know, as as negative and cynical as we can be for for comedy. I think we tend to be uh, hopeful about things like this. And your your point is well taken that if they're talking that there's hope. And I, and I do believe that. I think that's a great, you know, final message on this, but Goldie, 
you had uh, a fun uh, idea for us to to spend a couple minutes here. Would you want to you want to set this up? So the strike signs have an area where you can write your own caption. Um, yeah, and some of them have been pretty good. They've been on the yeah. you know more publicized, like you guys created Quibi or whatever. They're, they've been yeah. funny ones. So I thought we could <laughs> maybe go around and uh, do some ideas for signs like these. I haven't been able to do. I can throw out a few. We can each throw yeah. out a few. Uh, I was thinking of writing on my sign, um, I should be home masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we all feel that way. <laughs> uh, I hate writers too, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Very Jewish. Uh, well, this is a little bit inside baseball. Why are you all named Dana? <laughs> Every executive is apparently named Dana. Yeah, well, certainly one of the biggest ones. Uh, more of you than of us were on Epstein's plane. <laughs> yes. That had ended quick. They, they, that would terrify everyone. And here's, I'll just do one more. Uh, Les Moonves showed his penis to his diabetes doctor, and he was the best one of you. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i didn't i didn't prepare any of these but i i will say the one that i i will oh. definitely be using <laughs> when i'm out there next week which is chanting makes me uncomfortable That's true. i feel like that that lowers the tenor of the line a little bit and now i may have to add in honor of goldie i went to high school with will willis that's <laughs> 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 just if you're there just if we're on the same line <laughs> Now, Mike, you have you? I saw you had a Simpsons drawing on one of yours. Was that right? Did I see that? Oh, that was uh, one of uh, the show writers, um, uh, Cesar uh, Mazarigos. He happens to be an incredible artist too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So he had a drawing on uh, the, his side, and uh, on one side he had drawn comic book guy, and yes. I believe it said worst offer. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh, that's really good. That's yeah. fantastic. And on the other side, he had Homer drawn and said, stupid Zoslav. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Keeping, it, keeping them short is always good. That whatever yeah. little comment you want to have on your side, keep it short. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's see. I got a few here. It is because uh, oh. several of them were using like famous movie lines for. Or, th- or lines from shows like that. So I, uh, you had me at fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that one. <laughs> I heard your note on my script. I'm just refusing to counter. <laughs> uh, uh, there's no place like home broadcast streaming ad-supported video on demand residuals. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I actually, when I was reading that chart, the, there was one like, H S B S V O D. What the fuck is that? I know. Whatever it is, we're not getting it. But I, don't know. <laughs> I had to look it up. And uh, this is to the studio. Yeah, you could solve this for the cost of twelve shitty John Stamos pilots. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Those are funny. Mag- Maggie Mull uh, had a very funny one, which because one of the issues is AI. You know, we're trying to get them to, one. you know, sort of chill out with AI a little bit. 
And she had a sign that said, let's see AI gain 15 pounds on a first year show, <laughs> right, which yeah. I thought was great. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Here, here's one that could be the, the official, a typical disgusting display one. Ooh. Uh, you idiots, we didn't even want to write until you told us we can't. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I am looking forward to like the first AI writer's room of where it's like, there's, in my head, they're all robots for some reason, but it's just you know, it's like the, the robot is who always, I got to take this call, just walking out of the room. <laughs> There's always one. That's so funny. Just a robot constantly out on the balcony with a phone to its yeah. ear. <laughs> uh, those are great. Well, that, that was a fun thing, Goldie. Yeah. Thank you. And, and thank you, Mike Scully, again, yes. for finally agreeing yeah. to come back on the podcast. Oh, sure, sure. After oh, much- oh, oh, and I do, I was, oh. When you cancel AI show, it will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's great. Oh, boy. You got to use that one. That one is very usable. Um, Well, Mike Scully, you you are a hero to us already. Yes. And we really appreciate you being here. And you've always been a big supporter of the Guild. So thank you for um, letting our listeners hear about your experiences. And uh, good luck to us all going forward. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me again. It was a kick thanks to be back. Thanks for being here. All right, Mike yeah. Scully. Thank Woo! you. Oh, boy, that was fun talking to Mike. He's yeah, always he's so fun and funny and smart. Great to talk to him. So glad Goldie was able to book him. Yeah. Well, you know, you just need to use a soft hand on these. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> takes a little diplomacy. You'll get there. <laughs> um, all right. Now we've gotten to a portion of the show that we like to call. Top five. Top five. Oh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, whose was this? Mine. JC. Let's tell the folks what we're top five and about today. This week is top five dog breeds. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. I go off. first. Okay. So my number five is a blue healer, which is. A version of an Australian cattle dog, which is different from a sheepdog. But Ooh. I owned one. I had one in the 90s and named Rugby, and he was just a very, very, very special, beautiful creature. Um, mm. and then, Not special enough to be top three, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Uh, number five. <laughs> I loved him more than anything. Number four. (laughs) I really didn't think that through, did I? Okay. (laughs) My number four um, may be influenced a little bit by Stu. um, The English Springer Spaniel. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful dogs. Beautiful. Beautiful. Number three, the pug. Oh, yeah. The pug. I think I, we have overlap. Yeah, I think this group has an overlap. I do. I, yes, I love a pug. Um, number two, I've never owned one, um, but I kind of think I'd be, I would love to own one, would be um, a King Charles Spaniel. There's a, a oh, common thread nice. here. Yeah, they're tropical. It is yeah. very topical. Good yeah. point. Um, and my number one, I think one of the most beautiful dogs and very special another version of this, but is the actual Australian sheepdog. 
They're so smart. Oh, They're so you beautiful. You like the smart dogs. Oh. Uh, there's one down the street hates my dog, and I, really? I hate that dog. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why? Does, why do you think they hate uh, each other? Uh, actually owned by Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth. Oh, oh. yes. Yeah. Yes. So she doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> she hates my dog. Uh, all right, Goldie, all right. is it you? No, because I'm. Uh, don't oh, I have you, next you week? Have the topic. Okay, got oh. it, got it, got it. Yes, okay. For me, number five, chocolate lab. Oh, nothing I like better than a fat chocolate lab. <laughs> just one with its legs splayed out, and just you just toss pieces of toast to it, and That's it just funny. eats it all up. So That's chocolate, cute. and they're they're very sweet, so sweet. Yes. Uh, number four. We've uh, owned a few of these now, and they're so cute and so awesome. And uh, like Volvos, they live forever. Brussels Griffon. Oh. They're little dogs. Uh, it was the dog in uh, As Good As It Gets that Jack Nicholson puts down the garbage chute. Oh, <laughs> they're very cute. They look like either little Chewbacca's or little Ewoks. Oh, um, if yes. If you look at them. Okay, yes. Very cute. Very cute. Number three, exact yeah, same good. as JC, the pug. Oh, same place, Pugs too. are adorable. <laughs> yes. Love them. Love them. Number two, and this is a product of growing up uh, my childhood in Massachusetts. It, it felt like every family but ours had a golden retriever. Yeah, right. Oh God, they're they're beautiful dogs. They're so loving and loyal and sweet. I uh, can't get enough of them. I I really wanted to put them number one. Were it not for Four. a dog breed that is not nearly as sweet or loyal as that, but I love them so much. French bulldogs. Oh, 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 yeah, they're so cute. God, they're so yeah. cute. And we had one stubborn, stubborn really? as all hell. They have, like pugs, they have eye pressure issues. So oh, this one was like a one eyed pirate by the time, uh, <laughs> at the end of uh, her life. But just so awesome. So, yeah, those are my five. I don't respect a dog that's not stubborn. <laughs> yeah. You know, of course it wants food and yes. stuff. So, you know. Anyway, uh, number five, they're big, they're stupid, they're funny poodles. Oh, yes. they're not, are they stupid? Are they no, they're smart, smart, but they're kind of goofy. They yeah, look stupid. They goofy. They're smart, <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're smart enough to be like human stupid. Yeah, right. They're what yeah. the French refer to as guignol. They're clowns. Oh. <laughs> uh, number BFA. four, I'm with you, Alec, the golden retriever. I've, yes. I've known a, a few of them, a few great ones, Huckleberry. Throughout oh, my life, yes. uh, one once trapped me against a couch while I was <laughs> playing Nintendo with a friend in his basement. And <laughs> fucked me for a solid half hour as everyone was rolling on the ground in peals of laughter, and I was pleading for help. But I'll let them oh, target. He, he too. He too. <laughs> he too. <laughs> I got, I got absolutely stone cold <laughs> fucked by this dog. I still like the breed. Uh, yeah. Number three, French Bulldog. Oh, nice. Number two, as a Massachusetts guy, a little offensive you missed this, Boston Terrier. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Frenchies and Boston Terriers are very similar. I think a Boston Terrier is a better personality. They're they're funnier, goofier, and more loving than a Frenchie. And number one, come on, man. Obvious. I'm I'm not going to. Lloyd. 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 Lloyd Lloyd will be Lloyd. In the world. (laughs) Good night, Lloyd. I have next week's topic. Ooh. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a quick one, but I think a good one. Top five words. Oh. Wow, just straight up words. Just words. Top five are words. We, are That's we allowed to do that during the strike? 
<laughs> we'll see. I'll try to get an exemption. Singular yeah, there words. There we go. Okay. Singular That'll be words. fun. Next week, top five words. Tune in for that. And also tune in next week for our guest. We are very excited to have, she was the head writer at SNL for quite a while, Anna Dresden. Yay. And she's got a new show coming uh, that she is in development, or not now in development, but will be in development when we end the strike. What's that show called, JC? Praise Petey. Praise Petey. Praise Petey. Yes, we'll talk to her about that. We'll talk so to look her about forward the strike. to that in 2027. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Anna. <laughs> and of course, we'll talk to her about our, our favorite love hate topic, which is Saturday Night Live. So, yes. Anna Dresden, tune in for that next week. And now let's end the show as we do every week on a high note. Oh, Tom and Max, that's, that's beautiful. And we had a breakthrough with Tom. Uh, I had been worried for months that we had done something to offend Tom Gamble, which is why he hadn't been on here in so long, because he's one of our favorite guests, participants, yes. characters ever. Yes. And JC, you too. dug up the real dirt. What was the answer there? No, or no, Goldie, did you tell me? <laughs> yeah, he had gotten a writing gig and he was <laughs> worried that if he came on the podcast, he would sort of <laughs> spill proprietary information <laughs> that he had you about can this say gig. what like, the show is. No, I, I don't even want to do that because he, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, let him he, say it. Yeah, let him say it if he wants to. But he's okay. been very busy writing for a, a very good show that we all love and, yes. and that he was worried about that he knew it was going to happen, that he couldn't stop himself. From yeah, gushing yeah. about I, I all the it. good, funny things he did. So he yes. will be back in some capacity at some Yay. point. Good. And when, when we get him back, we'll have him gush and tell all the secrets of that yep. show. That we all, love. <laughs> yes. um, all right. So my high note, I'll, I'll get it out of the way quickly. My high note is American Idol. American oh, Idol, I've, I've, I've loved so the show for years. Um, yeah. But it, as it happens this year... A, it's great. The quality, I don't know if it's ever been better. The, the wow. top eight that we're left at now, are they're really all fantastic. And this also happened to be the year that my daughter, Levy, decided that she wants to be a singer and definitely will be on American Idol one day. So Aww. now we all watch that together, and it's just a great experience. So wow. American Idol, great job. Cool. You think she's going to be a country singer? Well, at this point, you—I mean, she's got to hit a note first. She's oh. a little off. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so we'll get her there. Yeah. Yes. Should, you want to go, Goldie? Sure. I've—I've, I've, uh, you know, been out on the strike line now for the last oh. however many days, and I just, you know, I've—I've I've actually found it like very inspiring. And every day I go, I see an old friend I haven't seen in a while. I walk with them. I've been catching up. So as much as none of us relishes being in a labor dispute, and we all hope for a quick conclusion, I've got to say the sort of community around it has been great. Oh, that's, yes. that's awesome. Well said. Well that's said. Awesome. JC, um, what do you got? Um, I, mine is, so on Easter, I had um, some friends that I met on SNL come over who, you know, their families don't live here. And we played this board game called the Emerald Flame. And the people that I did this with, they're like my escape room friends. We do like, Nerds. done Nerds. maybe 30 escape rooms together. Yeah. I've done like over 50. I'm sure I've talked about it before. But um, it was my one of my besties, uh, Brian McElhaney and Luke Null and Caitlin Schultz. And Brian reached out to me. He's a writer. And obviously he's on strike. And he reached out to me last night and was just like, by the way, we only did half the game. There's like, this game takes maybe 10 hours to finish. So he wrote and he said, I've got this, I'm in the middle of strike. I'm losing my mind. When are we finishing this game? 
And so this game is really, we're going to try it this weekend, but it's really been a good way to get our minds off of things in general, just to get together with friends and solve some really complex puzzles. And it's been really, uh, it's like kind of my dream is just to play these kinds of games every weekend with my friends. So I love this game. Goldie, what, what, (laughs) how do you think Norm MacDonald would spell board game? (laughs) <laughs> is it B-O-R-E-D? <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Well, good. Whatever floats your boat, JC. <laughs> I like puzzles. I'll take your word for it on uh, Green Flame. The Green Flame. Willem, Def- Willem Dafoe is the Green Emerald. Actually, that oh, sort of sounds emerald like flame. Craig flame. Kilborn is the Jade Detective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Craig the Green Flame, Goldie. <laughs> Craig would be the flame. flame. (laughs) Craig would be the flame. You're going to write it. I'm going to produce it. Craig's the flame. (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold on. I just died. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) All right. That was a very fun show. Thanks again to Mike Scully. Tune in next week for Anna Dresden. Thank you all for listening. Thank you two for being awesome. And we will talk to you again next week. Thank you, YouTube, for being awesome. That was fun. And it stops right now. I don't respect a dog that's not stubborn.